So who wants to be a CEO? This is Irene Silver with the Vanguard Network. For many business executives, becoming the chief executive officer of a successful company is the holy grail. I think it's always slightly worrying if someone wants to be CEO or wants to be the leader. But equally, I think you have to be responsible and accountable. So actually, sometimes you are the best person to do this job and you should do it. Adjan Reginald is CEO of Selexir, a relatively small but highly successful company that specializes in cell and gene therapy. He kept thinking someone else should be the CEO until he finally took the job nine years ago. Ken Banta, founder and principal of the Vanguard Network, sat down with Reginald to talk about the challenges facing CEOs in life sciences today. So Ajahn, uh, let me begin by asking, first of all, what is cell and gene therapy? Certainly. Hi, Ken. Um, yes, yeah, so cell and gene therapy is um, the, the new field, I guess, um, whereby we use cells and, and gene modulation uh, as a, a therapeutic mechanism. So, you know, for us, we have cellular medicines development, we have SRA in development. Uh, the cellular medicines have a, a range of functions. Uh, and the gene therapies tend to have a more rational approach. So rather than using small molecules or antibodies, we use the gene to, as an as a intervention. Got it. We'll come back to, to that in a minute, but uh, let's switch to what it means to be a CEO. Um, mm. What is the main job for you? <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm a CEO of a small company. Um, so, you know, we're around 50 people. Uh, I've been that, in that role now for nine years, uh, which as probably people will tell you will feel like 63 years to anyone who, who does it sensibly. Um, yeah, the CEO of, of any company, I think, ultimately has to be someone who can make good judgment calls, uh, can help his the folks that work for you make good judgment calls, uh, and ultimately try to drive value for all of the stakeholders in a company. Hopefully, you you have the privilege to build a company, which I've had the privilege to do, um, which means that you can continue to create value for all of your stakeholders. And I think if you can be part of that ecosystem, then it, it becomes quite natural what you do as a CEO. You said earlier uh, today uh, in a different conversation that you'd been asked about six times to be CEO and uh, you uh, said no, but finally you took it. What convinced you that you should be the CEO? Uh, I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's a, that's a great, great soundbite. I wish I hadn't said it. Uh, I think ultimately for me, it was, it was, about, it was about thinking that other people would be better. So ultimately, it was you know I was thinking, oh no, I shouldn't I shouldn't do this. We need someone who's got this skill, or we've got someone who's got that skill, or we've got that skill. And unfortunately, if you stick around in a company long enough, you're the one who's got all the skills at the end. So there's so I think there's a trade-off between. I think it's always slightly worrying in a UK way. We say slightly worrying if someone wants to be CEO or wants to be the leader, but equally, I think you have to be responsible and accountable. So actually, sometimes you are the best person to do this job, and you should do it. But equally, I think in the back of your mind, you should always remember at some point it won't, you won't be the right person. That's the key thing about being a CEO, knowing when to, to let someone else take over. Yeah, it takes some humility. And I have to tell you from experience, not too many people know when to go. Um, coming back to uh, a topic we were also discussing earlier today, uh, ethical issues mm. facing the industry. Maybe there's nothing more fundamental than the permission to operate with society. And uh, we've talked a bit about the role of uh, profit uh, versus uh, good and uh, the, the apparent situation that the public really finds it difficult to see why people should make money off disease. 
What's your own uh, formula, if you might say, uh, for how to address this issue? And has it have been have people been getting it wrong? And is there a way to get it right? Yeah, I think I think we we have the right system. I think how it's perceived is perhaps the problem. So you know, we've in the last fifty years we've created this incredible ecosystem that drives medical innovation to produce new medicines that have increased life expectancy. You know, you have world-class universities in, in, in the UK, in Europe, in the US, all over the world, where you have great um, discoveries and inventions which are then rapidly brought and tested through a robust clinical trial system, which then allows us to assess risk to patients versus benefit, which then produces a new medicine, which then healthcare systems can... Um, can utilize, which hopefully then means that people live longer. That ecosystem then produces companies that uh, are either acquired, so the money comes back into the system, or they become public companies, which allows them to do more research, which allows them to produce more medicines, and that's a, that's a virtuous cycle. Um, there is immense risk involved in that virtuous cycle as well. So if you're, for most biotech companies, if your medicine doesn't work, the company ceases to exist. So it's actually a pretty unique ecosystem that actually, you know, does work. I think how it's perceived is the problem. I think we were talking about it today. Yeah, how do you change that? I think you I think you change it with more miracles perhaps. I mean that's that's the it's a terrible thing as a, a sort of a, a scientific approach is to underplay the positive and to and then the public opinion approach is to overplay the negative. So what we have to do is, you know, when, when we actually produce a medicine that is, you know, th there was a great example, a case example of a, a, a patient who uh, had stage four breast cancer and uh, is now in remission with CAR-T. That's incredible. I mean, that is incredible. We are talking about patients that had you know, days, months to live who are now able to live a, long, a normal life. The problem with that good news is good news is not often interesting for the media. So we, we need to think, you know, as, we, as people live longer, we will touch more lives. As we touch more lives, people understand the benefit of medicine. Um, but I don't think it's a, a switch we can, we can... One last thing. Um, do you think that uh, to some degree this might be generational? And would you think that people who are, uh, let's say, arbitrarily 30 or under might look at these uh, equations in a different way than people who are, let's say, 60 and older? Hmm. Um, because that's the group that needs to be convinced for the next decades, the, 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 young the, people, the younger people, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think expectations are high of both age groups, right? You know, I think they, we talk about 60 as the new 40, so mm. we, want us to, we want to live longer, we want to have better quality of life. Um, but certainly, I don't know, you know, young people, we, we talked about the NHS just now, where there's, in the UK, I think there's a deep, the thing that dis disappoints me is there's an acceptance of not having access to the world's best medicines. How did that happen? You'd never accept that in the U.S. or in Canada or in Sweden or in Germany, as we heard. So why did we why did we say it's okay for our system not to bring life-saving medicines? Surely the question is, this system should bring life-saving medicines to everyone. What do we need to change to allow that to happen? That was Adjon Reginald of Selixir speaking with Vanguard Network's Ken Banta. Podcasts like this are just one of the membership benefits of the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silber. 
Thanks for listening.